This is Savio. I've been seeking answers to some of life's most perplexing questions my entire life. In 2014, I was diagnosed with stage three cancer. And ever since, I realized my calling existed outside of what I knew to be familiar. This podcast is your home for survivors like myself and those who are searching to find meaning to their why. In season two, the show includes a mix of coaching sessions followed immediately by interviews with those from all walks of life who have been successful in the business, marketing, coaching, and financial worlds. The intent is to show the human experience in its rawest form so that others may glean insight. Nothing is rehearsed or has been edited. As a board-certified wellness coach, my job is to ask the deep questions of those trying to make sense of their place in this fractured world. I believe life speaks to us in different ways. Many of us listen, but don't know how or where to begin. As someone who has crossed the bridge between life and death, I say simply, begin where you are now and get busy living. If you liked today's episode, I would appreciate if you could share it and subscribe. Be sure to tag me at The Human Resolve so I can reciprocate in kind. So without further ado, welcome to The Human Resolve Podcast. Cancer doula and lymphoma survivor, Talea Dendi supports her clients through a sea of crippling emotions. Not wanting to create any friction in her own life, she has learned to shrink in order to protect her peace. To rise above the naysayers of her past, she must let things go and continue the inner work. Hi, Talia. Good to see you. Good to see you. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing okay. So what would you like coaching on? All right, Savio. First of all, thanks for having me and going through this process with me. What I would like to get coaching on is kind of this thing that I've been working through most of my adult life. And what I'm finding is that um, my aspirations and my, in a sense, need to shrink to make other people feel comfortable collide at times. I've gotten better with the shrinking thing. However, I feel like there's still more work to be done. So what I'm hearing is as you progress with you, yourself, and your career, there's sort of this aspect of sort of stepping into your power and or shrinking around other people. Am I correct? Yes, that okay. is correct, Savio. Yeah. So what would be the like a fantastic outcome for today? A fantastic outcome would be really just getting to a place where I don't even listen to the noises that um, are still there from things that people have said or things that people have done to make me feel like I need to to shrink um, because other people are uncomfortable. So a good outcome today would be, you know, really having a solid tool, so to speak, to when I feel that creeping up, to just be able to squash it, you know, and not spend, at this point, any more time thinking about it. <laughs> so basically, it's really to sort of find a tool or to find a resource of some kind that allows you to squash those sort of feelings and emotions, correct? That is correct, yes. Okay. So when you think about sort of this idea of shrinking, tell me more about that. Sure. So really, it's just I need to be out there. 
I am out there getting out there more, but it's like, okay, I sh maybe I shouldn't come across this way or maybe I shouldn't come across that way or am I out there too much or, you know, it's just those kinds of things. And a lot of it comes up from, like I uh, mentioned a few minutes ago, from experiences with other people, things that people have said, um, you know, and it starts really with your with your family at home and things like that. And so um, just being told that, oh, you think you're better because you went to college or, oh, you think you're better because of this or that. And it's like, no, this is a standard of life that I want for myself. It has nothing to do with anybody else. It's what I want for me. And if you choose something different, that's fine. I don't think any more or less of you. And so I just want that same in return that, hey, she's just living her life, that those are the things that she wants to do. Those are the things that she wants to achieve. And it doesn't mean that, you know, she thinks she's better than somebody else. Can you take me back to 10-year-old Talia? Oh, yeah. 10-year-old <laughs> uh, Talia, she is very um, responsible for her age. Um, she has a younger brother coming. And so um, when he arrives, she spends a lot of time, you know, with him and helping to look out for him and things like that because mom has to go to work full time. And so um, that's really 10 year old Talia. Um, honestly, at 10 years old, by then, her, in a sense, her voice has been stolen um, because of things that have been said to her. Um, as a younger, even younger child. And so um, she's she wants to be invisible because she doesn't want to create any friction. And so that's 10-year-old Talia. So when 10-year-old Talia was visible, what would happen? Um, you talk too much. <laughs> um, you know, you're weird for seeing saying that or, you know, just certain things like that because I thought differently. I wanted, even at 10 years old, I knew what I wanted my life to look like as an adult. And so I guess in the environment that I was in, I wasn't your typical 10 year old, so. You mentioned about your voice being stolen. How? how? Mm -hmm. um, years prior, <laughs> um, my father had said to me, um, you know, you talk too much. People like kids that talk a lot. And really that was said because he was afraid that I was going to maybe share something that he shouldn't have been doing um, outside of the family. And so I think that had a lot to, I know that had a lot to do with it was really just the fear that, you know, this kid is smart. She she's she understands what's going on. So let me figure out a way to manipulate and control this situation so that um, things about me don't get out to her mother. So so how do you as navigate? An adult, now I understand that. Yeah. So how'd you navigate through all that? Um, really, I just kept my head down. You know, um, I really focused on school. I loved going to school. I loved, you know, um, reading and all those different things. So I just really tried to do things that would fulfill me. 
of course, I talked to my mom a lot, you know, and she would always encourage me and just say, you know, you're smart, you're going to be something when you grow up. So it was just really two different dynamics happening. And so, of course, I would gravitate more to the more accepting and encouraging side. And so now in now in your life, what are those voices telling you? Um, sometimes they, they creep up, you know, like I said, I've gotten better because even five years ago, I would not be doing what I'm doing now. And so, um, I've gotten better at realizing those voices and really understanding that it has nothing to do with me. It's probably insecurities that the people around me have. And so, now that's something that I continuously tell myself is that, you know what, Talia, you don't have to change because of how someone else is feeling. I can't control that either way. Do you have a recent experience that allows you to sort of confront this? Um, you know, I would have to say the most recent thing is something that I've already mentioned, and it was just someone shared to me that a relative has said, you know, oh, she thinks she's better because she went to college, you know, and she doesn't she doesn't talk to anybody because she thinks she's better. And it's like, no, I stay to myself because I want to protect my energy. I want to protect my peace. I want to put all of that into the positive things that I'm trying to put out into the world. And... Um, so I would have to say that would be the most recent experience is just continuously having this thing come up about what I think, <laughs> you know, because of something that I've done or achieved. Would you like to feel into do an experiment with me and feel into this? Absolutely. Let's do okay. it. All right. So just, just want you to get comfortable in your seat. Take a couple of breaths in and out. You can soften your gaze or close your eyes. I'm just going to breathe into the different body parts that I mentioned. So the top of the head, the forehead, the eyes, the ears, the nose, the mouth, the lips, the neck, shoulders, your upper body, your torso, your arms, your hands, your lower body, your legs, your feet. Take a couple of breaths in and out. You know, when someone says, oh, she thinks she's better than me because she went to college, what's coming up for you, Talia? Um, really, it's like, I feel like in normal situations, people would be celebrated <laughs> or encouraged or at least, hey, that's a great job. That's a great accomplishment. But, you know, I've learned that I have to tell myself those things um, and really to say, you know what, Talia, you didn't do it to get acknowledgement from other people. You did it to better your life. Talia, I'm, I'm sort of curious. If someone encouraged you or said those things, 
opposite of what you're hearing now. What would life be like for you? I think I would be more open to sharing positive things that are going on without um, really putting in a lot of work to say, hey, you know, should I tell this person? Oh, no, I probably shouldn't tell this person because and talking myself out of sharing good things, positive things. So um, that's what life would look like. It would be a bit freer. If this was a confessional box, it's not. (laughs) What would you want people to know about you? Um, I want people to know that, you know, I'm a hard worker. I work for everything that I've achieved or gotten. Um, I would like for people to know that I'm very down to earth. I don't know what it is that people see, but um, I feel like I'm a very down to earth, caring, kind, and, um, you know, open person. I just want to help people. So, Any thoughts on some of the misconceptions they might have of you? And what that might be? Um, I think some of the misconceptions are, you know, oh, she's quiet because, you know, she's thinking something negative. When in reality, I'm an introvert. <laughs> so, um, of course, for some introverts, it just takes time for, for us to open up. Of course, there's times when we really need to have solitude to recharge. And so... Um, I just wish people would take more time to put in the work, really, to get to know me because I reciprocate that to other people. You mentioned previously that you were um, very insular when you were growing up. Is there a way that you can ask for these things from mothers? Um, I think it really depends on who it is. Um, there's some people that I would feel very comfortable asking for those things. And there's other people where I wouldn't waste my time because they've proven time and time again that their mind is made up about whatever it is they think. So what would be that ask? Someone that you trust? Um, that ask would be just to see me for who I am um, and to participate in the in the positive things that are happening in my life and be just be happy for me really um and not be so quick to jump to judgment that you know this is about a show that I'm trying to put on or this is me trying to upstage somebody no this is me living my life is there any way that you could make it a little more accessible you a little more accessible for them Um, I'm sure I probably could, um, just by doing exactly what you, what you asked, um, and just being more open and and sharing those things. And what do you suppose the, um, hesitation might be from them? Um, from them, you know, I'm not sure. I, I think that... You know, when you grow up in a certain culture and society, there's a certain mindset that, you know, if someone is striving to do better, that there's this sensation, I I almost want to call it, that, you know, no, we can't let this happen. Um, So that could be part of it. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if I created a miracle for you, I had the ability to do that. What would the outcome of all this be? Um, the outcome would be really, you said this earlier, me stepping into into my power more, um, not wasting any, any energy worrying about any of these things and letting go of what I heard or what I was told maybe at five or six years old. I mean, completely letting it go. Um, and just really, really using my voice to 100% capacity. So how do, how do we create steps for that? So you mentioned a few things. You mentioned stepping into your own power. So what would be a way to like actualize that for you? Um, a way would be to do something every day that builds up to that, I, I believe. Um, whatever, whatever that may look like. Um, it may be reaching out to someone that I trust and doing exactly what we just talked about. That may be something that I do. Um, creating a space where, you know, maybe my intro, introvertedness, if that's a word, <laughs> um, isn't always leading, so to speak. Um, so really working through that a little bit more and then also just being more open and sharing with people that, hey, you know, I'm an introvert at times. I need to, you know, be off to myself to recharge because some people, especially extroverted people, they don't understand that. And so what would you do to sort of move the needle on sort of this aspect of not hearing those that five to ten year old Talea and all those people that were in her year. What would you what would you do for that? Um what I would do for that is to talk to myself, talk to that five or six year old Talea. I think that's what I really need to do more to encourage her and to give her her voice back and say, Hey, you are a child. You didn't deserve that. That had nothing to do with you. And um, just continue to build her up because she's still a part of me, of course. What do you think that version of Talea really, really wanted people to know about? That I mattered. Um, that I wasn't, you know, just this weird kid who was always quiet. Like, you know... I'm really checking things out. I'm really, I'm really observing things. I'm really trying to make sense of the world, and really, what I'm seeing around me is is shaping what I don't want to do or see when I'm an adult. So really. Um, I just want people to know that, hey, this is this is a child who's um, navigating her environment, so to speak, so. Tilly, do you feel that you matter right now? I do, I do. do. In what ways? Mm-hmm. Um, I matter because I have taken something so critical like cancer and used it for good. I feel like if I didn't have any more work to do here on this earth, I wouldn't be here. 
Um, I know that I matter to my mom. I know that I matter to people who truly know me and care about me. And so I have those positive relationships where I can pick up the phone and call certain people and I know that they'll be there for me and vice versa. And so the people that I serve, the clients that I serve, I know that I matter to them as well. So, And all the sort of robust things that you mentioned, why you matter now, what do you think the other, the former version of yourself is really looking for? Why do you think it's still around? I think it's still around because I never got closure on um, what my father had said to me and, you know, things that he had even said later in life. Um, I never got closure on those things. But I think now looking back, and I know now that um, sometimes people are suffering from things, their own issues and things that they've never resolved. And knowing what I know now about mental health and all these other things in life, I think that might have played a part in it. So um, just not having that closure to be able to say, you know, why? You know, um, because my, he's since passed, my father has passed. Um, so really just not having that closure. But the, the funny thing is, is that um, he shared positive things with other people about me that he never said to me. So that's it right there. Mm, so he said positive things about you to other people, but not mm-hmm. to yourself. But not to me. And I didn't know this until the day of his funeral when his classmates told me positive things that he had shared about me. But then on the other hand, there were negative things that he, you know, had shared about me during his lifetime with other relatives. So it's 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 crazy. (laughs) So how do you relegate the two? I choose to, at this point, just focus on the positive things because, as I said, he's no longer here. I can't have those conversations and I can't continue to wonder why. I just have to really know who I am. So, Are there any creative ways that you can find a way to come to terms with Mm-hmm. I've actually started um, writing letters in my journal. Um, when something comes up, I'll just write a letter to my father and just, you know, get it out. Um, other things are just trying to focus more on the good times and really focus on the positive things that people shared with me. Um, you never know why people don't say these things to you. Um, I know that people are not given a manual on how to be parents. And so these are all things that I tell myself, like, you know what, Talia, it really didn't have anything to do with you. It really didn't. And you can't go back and change it, but don't carry this anymore with you. And definitely don't do it to your children if you have children. So... 
is this voice that sort of tells you about shrinking and stepping into your power, is it always the voice of your father? Um, that's where it starts. That's where it starts because, you know, as most people know that um, a lot of things that you learn and a lot of things that you're told about yourself, they start at home. And so then when you step out into the world, you're wondering how other people see you as well. And so um, that's, that is where it starts. And then having the other relatives, you know, add whatever it is that they want to add, that doesn't help because these are supposed to be people that are supposed to love and care about you and support you and things like that. But what I've come to terms with is that it doesn't matter where it comes from. It doesn't, it's not always gonna be your family or your relatives, you know, um, it could be anyone. And embrace that, focus on that. So when that creeps up, how do you, how do you combat it? What do you do? What I do is just say, you know what, Talia, I have to, I talk to the younger Talia and I say, you know, don't, don't let that get you down. Don't let, don't let that get you down because look how far we've come. And so that's one way. The second way is, like I mentioned, going to my journal and writing a letter to my dad and just saying, you know, something like, this popped up today. I thought about something that you said. I forgive you, even though I don't truly understand, you know. And so just trying to get it out of my system so that I can move forward and do the things that I'm really here to do. So may I share a resource with you if you're open to it? Absolutely. Yeah, so a lot of what you talked about beyond the family reference is, you know, sort of dealing with some people call it imposter syndrome, some of them calling it your, you know, your gremlin. It's a great author named Richard Carson. I referenced him a few times because this topic is something that speaks to a lot of people. <laughs> And really, his main premise is you can never kill the gremlin. You can mm -hmm. only, you know, sort of tame him or capture him or hold him because that gremlin is the side of you that not wants to see you fail, but just kind of overly thinks or just feels to some degree that you're not worth it. You know, you're not mm -hmm. worthy of X, Y, Z. It's just a reference I wanted to mention to you. I mean, for me, uh, I picture like Ghostbusters, where you <laughs> zap the gremlin, put him in that little metal box, and it finds a way to escape, but at least for that moment in time, it's gone. Thank you so much. That's that's very helpful, very helpful. And I used to love the Ghostbusters movies, so that I like that, I'm gonna try that. <laughs> yeah. So today we talked a lot about sort of these feelings and these emotions from the past and from now and shrinking and growing. Yeah, I'm just sort of, you know, how do you feel into all of this now? Like, what's what's happening within you? I feel like, you know, I released a lot. Um, just hearing myself talk about it, it lets me know that um, I'm getting better with it. Um, I'm not looking at it as if it's something that I have done wrong. I'm, I'm very proud of the things that I've accomplished. Um, even if other people are not, that's okay. And really just 
again, hearing myself talk to you about this, it just makes me realize even more that it's not my job to carry other people's thoughts and feelings and things like that. Um, I can try to empathize, but really in situations like this, you can't put too much effort into that either because a lot of us are walking around with past hurts, insecurities, all these different things. And um, sometimes people objectify those things onto you and you have to you have to know the difference. So if you're not gonna carry those things, what are you doing with those things? I am letting them go. I am facing them, I should say, and then letting them go. I'm acknowledging when they pop up and um, I'm gonna keep on working on it until I don't hear that voice anymore. So I need to continue to nurture um, the younger Talea. And and is it the tools that you mentioned previously, or are there other resources that you have at your disposal? It's the tools that I mentioned previously. I'm definitely going to check out this book by Richard Carson to see um, if I can get some more things in my toolbox as well. Um, and then, you know, Savio, really just visualizing myself more. Mm at that destination I'm trying to get to. Um, and I think that is gonna help motivate me and continue to keep going when those voices pop up, is just visualizing where I wanna be. So what's that destination address? What's that name of that destination? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure about the name. Um, And the, the address, wow, that is having can my, my own cancer centers that are holistic. Um, that is probably living in a different country, um, um, employing a lot of people who want to do great work for others. Um, just so many different things. I, Name, I'll just say, you know, uh, future Talea. Future, <laughs> future Talea, future I guess. Yeah, I see mm -hmm. you grinning and smiling from year to year, um, speaking about sort of this. So how does accountability work for you in this area, creating that, that vision, that new destination, that new address? You know, really it's about continuing to show up for myself and continuing to address these things that I know are getting in the way and creating those tools and getting those resources that will continue to help me move forward. Another um, form of accountability is, you know, calling people out and just saying, hey, cause that's something that I have not done. And just saying, hey, you know, um, I don't appreciate you saying these things to me, you know, um, I'm sorry that you feel this way, but it really doesn't have anything to do with me. And so just not taking on people's baggage. You mentioned previously that you are a cancer survivor. What do you mm -hmm. think people's perception is of you in regards to you going through such a traumatic experience? Oh, wow, that's, that's a good question. Um, 
people's perception may be, maybe, oh, she's trying to make money off of, you know, something so terrible as cancer. That's one perception that people may have. The other perception that people may have is that, you know, she's very resilient. You know, she's very determined. Um, I, I don't like to say strong person, but, you know, that's a word people throw around. But I'm thinking resilient. Do you think those two things scare them? Some people, yes, yes. Yeah, because, you know, um, <laughs> it's like someone um, who always lands on their feet. That's that's something that someone shared with me. Like, you know, no matter what comes your way, you always land on your feet. And when I heard that, I thought it was very interesting because... I believe it's all about what you put out there and what you give to other people. And I know that I'm blessed. I know that, you know, God is watching over me and taking care of me. And I think Savio, a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, I've I've been there for a lot of people. I've done, I've sown a lot of seeds, you know, and I think that's why people may perceive it as me landing on my feet but they don't know what I've gone through to land on my feet. I've, I've done the work, so. Oh, wow, that's wonderful. All right, well, do you, I think it's a good time to transition. Do you feel complete? I do, thank you so much. Wonderful, great. So now I would like you to tell my audience more about Talia Dendi, what you do, who you serve, and your mission in life. Absolutely. So um, as you mentioned, I am a 10-year cancer survivor. I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2011. Out of the blue, Savio. Thank you. Um, Was never sick before other than the common flu. And so, of course, when I received this diagnosis, I was very taken aback. Um, But it was a wake-up call. And I know that may sound kind of cliche, um, but it was a wake-up call for me because, you know, I was in corporate America um, doing all the things that society says we're supposed to do, um, comfortable, which sometimes can be just as bad, <laughs> um, in a very stressful job that deep down I know that I really was had outgrown but the salary and everything else um, kept me there. And so cancer was my wake-up call. Um, I had to get up to speed really fast about learning about cancer, how to navigate the healthcare system, all these different things. And so thankfully I was blessed with a really great oncologist. Um, We formed a really great partnership. And however, Savio, there was still something missing. And that was the emotional support of someone who had been through something similar that I could go to and say, hey, you know, what can I expect at chemotherapy? How long did it take for you to feel somewhat normal after treatment? You know, just someone I could ask to have an idea about how things would go. Um, And that really would have helped to um, ease a lot of the anxiety. But I... 
Unfortunately, I wasn't able to find that resource. So I became that resource for myself by doing research about mind-body connection, um, you know, the importance, of course, of nutrition, exercise, how to manage stress, and, and all the other emotions that come along with a cancer diagnosis. And so um, that led me to what I'm doing today as a cancer doula. Um, so what I do is I support cancer patients along their cancer journey. I focus on four key areas with them, and that is um, emotional support slash mind-body connection, health, which could be exercise, nut uh, nutrition, all those different things, um, understanding their treatment options. So what I mean by that is th under the advice of their doctor, whatever they're suggesting for their treatment option, I break that down and help them to understand it better so they can make more educated and informed decisions. And then finally, communication. And so, you know, that could be communication with their family, at work, um, all those different things. And so really just walking side by side with my clients, helping them to feel, feel empowered and helping them to become the gatekeeper of their, their health and their quality of life. Because a lot of times we give that power up and over to other people, or we feel like we don't have that power to begin with. And so, um, I support my clients virtually. Everything is via Zoom or over the phone based on their preference. And um, the name of my company is called On the Other Side, of course. <laughs> and um, I named it that because I made it to the other side of cancer. And I also want other people that have been diagnosed to know and see and feel that a, a cancer diagnosis doesn't mean that it's over you can actually get to the other side of cancer. And I'm an example of that, so. Wonderful. So what would be like three tips that you would give someone who just found out they got cancer? Absolutely, so the first tip would be to, you know, reach out and ask for help. Don't try to do everything yourself. The second tip, tip would be, you know, um, to really take some time to try to work through and digest what you've you've heard, what you've been told that you have cancer. That is huge for many of us to do. Um, but I think it's so important to just take the time and let that soak in before you start to make all these decisions and run off in all these different directions. Um, I think that in a way it creates a sense of peace if, if you're able to do that. Um, and it helps to clear your mind and help you think a little bit better. The third tip would be to put yourself first. If you've never done that before, this is this would be the time to do that. Because you're, you're gonna need all the energy that you can muster to get through this thing. So this is a time where you have to put yourself first. And I know that's hard for parents and people who have always been that go-to person. I get it, that was me. But it, it got to a point where I had to put myself first. So Talia, I wanted to 
really thank you for participating in my interview series, I Survived Cancer, and here is how I did it with Authority Magazine and Thrive Global. But being an introspective person as you are, um, an insular person as well, what was the what was the um, what was the response like for you? I got a lot of good response. Um, a lot of people thanked me for sharing my story. A lot of people supported me um, and said, you know, keep doing what you're doing. People need to hear more of this. Um, it was a very positive experience. It was very therapeutic for me as well because it allowed me to go back and think about um, good times in my childhood. And it allowed me to really, not that I hadn't before, but to really see how far I've come and how blessed I am to still be here. And what would be a key takeaway that you could share with other individuals either going through the process or loved ones who are supporting others through the cancer process? I would say a key takeaway would be to just really see, try to not jump ahead and say, this is it for me. Take the time to not just heal physically, but emotionally, spiritually, mentally, if that is something else that needs to be considered, but take the time to completely heal. Um, even in my own experience and even with the amazing people that I work with, cancer's on the surface, but there's so many other things that come up. I just wanna tell people to be prepared for that and be open to that. Heal completely so that when you're past the treatment and you're past all these other things, you can live the life that you truly want to live and that you deserve to live. You know, a lot of my sort of cancer journey um, was really about, I got it. Like, I would have individuals saying, would you want me to come with you to chemo and all that? And nope, I got it. What have you found in terms of the support individuals need and how to maybe ask for it in a way that doesn't make them feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I think, Savio, um, first of all, I'm going to say I can relate to what you just said, because a lot of times that was me too. Um, I think what's important is to not look at you needing help as a weakness. Yeah. That actually you're being strong by saying, hey, I'm at a point in my life where I, I need help. And you're giving other people that truly care about you the opportunity to step in and take care of you for a change. And so asking for that help, even if you don't know what that looks like at this moment, but just saying, hey, can you just be there? Can you always say, oh, be a force of presence? Because a lot of times that's what we value most is just having someone there. Even if we don't know what we need them to do and even if they don't know what to do, I think eventually that will come naturally. Mm -hmm. um, but just, just be there, just show up for people because that's the most important thing. People just wanna know that you're there. 
So for individuals who've gone through the cancer journey, who are survivors at the moment, or who know individuals who have cancer at the moment, what do you think or what do you feel um, is the best sort of supportive um, advice or care that they could give? What, what would you... What would you say that people could say that makes it make the makes the pain a little easier? I think one thing that people could say if they have not experienced cancer is to be honest and say, you know, I don't understand what you're going through. But I am truly here for you. I'm here to listen. I'm here to step in however you need me to step in. And just really be honest and say, I don't, I don't, I really don't understand. Can, can you help, try to help me understand? Can you explain what you're feeling or explain what you're going through? And just having those true, raw and open conversations because there's this weird dance that happens where the people that want to be supportive a lot of times they don't because they're afraid of doing or saying the wrong thing. And then there's the cancer patient who is trying to hold it all together. Um, and they know they need help, but they don't know what kind of help they need. And so that's where the communication breaks down. But just being honest and open on both sides. Hey, I don't know what I need. And hey, I don't know what you're going through. Let's meet in the middle. <laughs> let's let's start somewhere and meet in the middle. I love that transparency aspect. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So tell my audience where they can find you on the internet. Absolutely. So they can find my website at ontheotherside.life. And on the other side is one word. They can find me on Instagram at ontheotherside17. Um, they can also find me on uh, Facebook, on the other side, and then on LinkedIn as well. And they can find me under my name or on the other side. Wonderful, Talias. Thank you so, so much for just being open and honest and just feeling into your, you know, into your emotions. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Savio, and thanks for this wonderful session. Sure. Hi there. I really hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast episode of The Human Resolve. If you feel that others may enjoy this episode as well, please share socially at The Human Resolve. They can also visit my website, thehumanresolve.com, where I offer one-on-one coaching sessions daily prompts to move in the right direction, sync directly to your smartphone, and a subscription to my weekly newsletter where I probe into the secrets from living smarter to feeding your three brains. If you could also help me out and give me a review and rating on this platform, because I do care what you have to say, I would really appreciate it. Now, get out there, my friends, and get busy living.